This is Philip Rostenreich, the host of Locked on Magic, joined by Gavin Shaw of Locked on Knicks. Gavin, I have one question for you. What did you think when Franz Wagner dunked all over the Knicks? I want to say my heart sunk into my stomach, but I'm such a big Franz guy. I was like, all right, that was that was pretty cool. That was pretty cool. I would have preferred <laughs> if RJ had gotten there, but it was, it was pretty epic. Yeah, yeah, I mean, I think that was that was a business decision if there ever if there ever was one. You are Locked On Magic, your daily Orlando Magic podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Um, like I said, my name is Philip Rossman Reich. I'm the host of Locked On Magic. That's Gavin Shaw, the host of Locked On Knicks. And we're here talking just after the Orlando Magic defeated the New York Knicks 104 to 96. Um, that's why I'm I get to be the host, I guess. I get that guess that's why it, it has nothing to do with the Brooklyn Nets being terrible and we'll beat them on, on Friday night. Um, but uh but um Gavin, uh just a just a crazy game. Uh, I know it was a crazy game from the Magic's perspective, but um, you know, the Knicks have had their struggles to start this season. Um you know, before 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 we dive before we dive into dive into it, but dive into it too much. But like, where where are the Knicks at with with it after this loss? Yeah, I thought this was sort of a like all the hits playlist of of all the areas they struggled this year. Kemba Walker and Evan Fournier, obviously. And I want I want to ask you a bit about Evan Fournier because he's really really been struggling. I think this was his sixth straight game in single digits. Um, but they're two prized guard offseason acquisitions that were supposed to elevate them to a consistent top five offense. And they've been there at points this season. I believe after tonight, they're not there anymore. Um, they both were pretty bad. I think combined four for 13 from the field, total of 10 points, like essentially no impact down the stretch. Julius Randle, uh, after a top 10 MVP finish a year ago, um, has seemingly, I don't want to say regressed to the guy he was two years ago, because there's still been moments of brilliance from him. But I, tonight was another night where he just, he, he made a few threes. And outside of that, essentially didn't do anything. And then it was the same theme as always for the Knicks when they needed the bench to save the day and the bench did their darndest. Alec Burks had four threes in like the first eight or so minutes of the fourth quarter, spurring a 15 to two run for the Knicks. But it ultimately wasn't enough because the bench ran out of gas and it was an uncharacteristically poor game for Derrick Rose. And he threw away a, a pass after a nice defensive play from Randall that could have potentially cut the lead to two in the final minutes. So I think this was just a little bit of everything for the Knicks. Also, just general sloppiness. They had three different plays in the first half where a guy caught the ball with his foot out of bounds. I was, was going to say. Yeah. I mean, credit Orlando, though. You got, I mean, they took they took advantage of it and they were, they were far from perfect in this game, but they're tough. They're gritty. They, they play their asses off. And if the Knicks were going to hand them the game, they, they took it. Yeah. I was going to say, I thought they were playing at Yankee stadium with how narrow the, the pitch looked out there. Um, uh, that's, 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 that's an Orlando city NYCFC joke for those that don't know. Um, but yeah, no, it's, uh, uh, it, it, it was definitely, definitely strange. Cause you know, obviously I think the magic in, in that first week saw the best and the worst of the Knicks in one weekend. Um, you know, that, that, that opening night game, I think, you know, the magic still are having some nightmares over that opening night game. They turned the ball over a ton. New York just got out and ran their offense was flowing. Evan Forney was killing them. And then, you know, they came back, certainly played with more effort and intensity in that second game and obviously got the win with the fourth quarter comeback. But uh, on the magic side, this, this was probably the most complete game that they've played all year. Um, you know, I think the Knicks, the Knicks, you know, certainly did not help themselves. I think they settled for threes. They they did not attack. They did not really try to attack the interior. Orlando stuck that two three zone on them, uh, and it just looked like New York had no clue what to do. And Orlando was essentially saying, "Beat us from three, we dare you." And and they could not do it um, until that fourth quarter when Alec Burks nearly did. Um, but 
I, I, it really felt like the Magic had their most complete game. They they, they weathered the storms each time, um, and their young guys just made play after play after play uh, in that in that fourth quarter. Whether it was you know Mobamba had that nice block. We talked about the Franz Wagner dunk a little bit. Um, Jalen Suggs had some incredible had some great defensive plays. Um, he was a defensive substitution there late after the Magic took the lead. Came up with a big steal that led to a lob to Wendell Carter that really locked the game away uh, for the Magic. Um, that, that, I mean, this is a game where, you know, the Magic, I think, you know, finally just made all the little plays that they have to make to win games. Um, you know, they they haven't been in a lot of close games. Entering the game, they have played the fewest clutch minutes, um, according to NBA.com at least, um, in the league. Uh, they've, they've not played a lot of these close games. And, and so it was really interesting to see them get tested um, with both a run in the fourth quarter and with a deficit that they had to erase and, and come back to take the win. Yeah, I kind of wanted to ask you more about Jalen Suggs. Was this one of the best games of his young career? Because I was I was sort of blown away by what he was doing defensively. He had that great sequence where he set up the three for, I want to say, Okiki, and then had the steal and like transition dunk the other way. And I was like, as someone who invested in him in a dynasty fantasy league and was, was a little disappointed <laughs> in his scoring so far this season, I was like, oh, this is sort of what I was hoping for from Jalen Suggs. Like, not necessarily someone who dominates the game in the traditional way. Like, he's not going to be James Harden, obviously, just waving people off and ice but does all the ancillary things that can win you a basketball game. And and tonight he was, I mean, he was sort of the guy he was at Gonzaga. He said that's kind of what defined his college tenure. Yeah, no, this was, this was by far Jalen Suggs uh, best game uh, in, in, in of his career. Um, just, uh, you know, he had the 21 point game against the Raptors, but like this one, like he's, he was just made and he hit some big shots in that game too, but he just made impactful plays and he, he's really struggled with a shot. I mean, I mean, you, you said it, you're following him in fantasy. He, he's not been able to shoot the ball at all. And, you know, he, he was confident with a shot tonight and he hasn't been super confident with a shot. Like as you could just tell, like even on some of his drives in the first half that he's just trying to figure out where to go or, or how to attack and, 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 and where to find, where to find and pick his spots. Um, this was his most complete game. Um, he's been great defensively all year. So the defense was not really a surprise. Um, they had him pretty much guarding everyone. He guarded Kemba for a little while. He guarded RJ Barrett for a little while. He, he had some matchups with Julius Randle that he seemed to hold his own against on, uh, you know, on occasions when he switched on him. Um, he, he was really physical. Uh, he's been really physical defensively, but just, he finally got some shots to go down. He made some really nice passes. He had that one pass where he dribbled along the baseline and found Wendell Carter. And Wendell Carter ended up getting fouled um, and missed both free throws, which um, I'd be very, very angry about um he but he, he he's shown like little flashes of that and for, for this game was the first time he really put all those pieces together to make a, a big impact on the game itself and make a big impact on winning um you, you probably didn't catch this on the Bally Sports Florida broadcast um he told this you know he's been saying for a while that that everyone on the team has been telling him stay confident keep shooting keep shooting and he told this story where where um Mortz Wagner um you know the instigator that he is kind of went up to him and said, Hey, you're a bad mother effer. Um, did not use effer. He used the word. Um, oh, Jalen wow. also used the word on the broadcast. Uh, and, and that's the kind of confidence that, that, that this kid really needed. And, and so, you know, you can, you hope you have to see it multiple games, rookies are rookies. Um, but, but it was a really big step forward for, for him. And, 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 you know, again, for the magic to win games, like I, I tell my listeners this all the time, the way the magic are constructed, they have maybe six or seven things they got to do to win games. They probably have to do six of them. Um, they they got like six. They got pretty much all seven of those things tonight, and that's I think that's a big reason why they won. 
Yeah, and I think the frustrating thing is is the opposite sort of true for the New York Knicks, right? They 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 should be able to, and this is this is something that I, I talked about with with Alex after the first loss to the Magic, like how many losses can this team afford against bad teams, and and what and the, what should the expectation be against bad teams? Because if you're a top four or five seed, which was clearly the expectation for the Knicks coming into the season, these are the games that you just have to, like, you're going to drop one occasionally, right? You're playing 82 yeah, games. It happens. Everyone's, everyone's a professional athlete. You're, you're going to, you're going to occasionally like have even, and, and, and like, and like, and, and to that point, like even a team like the magic is going to have a game where they hit every shot and they're going to win by 20. It, it's going to happen. Uh, you're going to lose yeah, a game by 20. You're going to win a game by 20. It's the NBA. Yeah, and the issue I was not is, game, I mean, but <laughs> well, that, that's what I'm saying. The Magic were 11 yeah. for 38 from three, 29 percent. Like the Knicks should not lose to Orlando at home in that scenario, and and they did because there were, there was multiple system failure, right? Like to your point on seven things, like the Knicks needed to do three out of seven right, and they went like one for seven tonight. It was like Obi Toppin had a career game, and outside of that, you go through the Knicks roster. Like what were what were the positives? Like R.J. Barrett had his moments, but he I mean I missed this in, in the highlights of things that went wrong this year, but he was zero for seven from three. He's shot like negative four percent from three over his last six games. Um, Emmanuel quickly, uh, some really good moments. Like he, he was awesome. Actually. I'm not going to say anything negative about Emmanuel. Quickly. No, he was, he was Alec, the best point guard tonight. <laughs> yeah. Alec Burks had the four threes outside of those. I mean, it's unfair to just take four threes off the ledger, but outside of that, he shot, uh, one for one for 12 in the field. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I guess, um, I, I don't know if I have like a grandiose point here, but it feels like the Knicks have found ways to lose games. They should win this season. It takes like, again, like, I mean, I mentioned the three, like literally just catching the ball out of bounds is like it, it took like a comedy of errors for this to go so bad. And like, look, you give the bench all the credit in the world because the, the fight, they show the energy they play with like Obi coming in and soaring for dunk after dunk, like the pick and roll magic between IQ and Obi like that, that, I mean, that we, we could get it, we can get into a little bit more in a second, but that is like my single favorite aspect to the Knicks. And the one thing that is just fun outside of generally Derek Rose on a night to night basis. Um, but it's incredibly frustrating with all the focus that's been on the starters and like Tibbs making comments that like, yeah, this isn't something that should necessarily take forever to figure out um, that they still are clearly so far away from figuring out. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and we'll jump into some of those defensive adjustments and ways the magic kind of frustrated the Knicks defensively and, and why the Knicks, you know, weren't as assertive as maybe they needed to be uh, coming up here in just a moment. But first, both Gavin and I want to thank you guys for making Locked On Magic and Locked On Knicks or Locked On Knicks or both or all three, I don't know, um, part of your day every day. Um, we, whether we're your list, we're your first listen of the day, whether we're your workout listen, whether we're your lunchtime listen, you're on your way home from work listen, we truly appreciate you for making the Locked On Podcast Network, Locked On Magic, Locked On Knicks, part of your day every day. Remember the Locked On Podcast Network is your team every day. Um, today's podcast, is also brought to you by McDonald's, um, proudly serving community since 1965. McDonald's is more than just a place to get tasty, affordable food. It's an unofficial community center. So a big thank you to our friends at McDonald's for always being there. I'm loving it. Today's podcast also brought to you by Bet Online. Bet Online is has uh, as my copy starts to load. Um, Bet Online is back <laughs> and better than ever. A new web interface for the start of the basketball season and more props, odds, and lines than ever before. Bet Online remains your number one spot for all the basketball and football action this season. So head to their new updated desktop or mobile website to sign up today and receive your fifty percent welcome bonus on your first deposit. Just use the promo code Locked On to receive your bonus. From basketball, football, NHL, boxing, and UFC, right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 season. Bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet all your favorite sports. Bet online where the game 
starts. Um, Gavin, uh, where where I want to go next um, is is where the Knicks kind of kind of struggled in this game. Um, it, it really felt like they were always playing on the back foot. I mean, I remember watching that first half with all the turnovers, both teams turning the ball over a ton, just feeling like you know the Knicks, if they protect the ball, they're gonna have they're gonna have a real good chance at winning this one. But it, it really also felt like they were just settling for threes all night long. And it seemed like the magic were happy to let them do that. Is, has that been something? And I think the Knicks had what 43, three point attempts in this game. Has that been something that's, you know, you mentioned that they're live and die by the three. How did the Knicks get, get in the paint? What were the magic doing to keep them out? Yeah, it's been a pretty consistent theme for the Knicks. And I remember having a conversation on the podcast earlier this year, when the Knicks were five and one, which feels like eons ago at this point, even though it was, it was like two and a half weeks ago um, or so, but and we were just sort of saying, like, the Knicks offense should be so easy, right? Because the whole the whole premise of this team and the whole reason I was so high and, like, a lot of other people, at least at least covering the Knicks, were so high on this team was it, it just seemed like this perfectly balanced starting lineup, right? You, you had Kemba, who was your, your breakdown ex- genius extraordinaire, who was also going to be bombing threes. You have Evan Fournier, like, overqualified third or fourth option, like multifaceted scorer, like great passer, great shooter, like really like he's shown throughout the year, like a solid handle and ability to win one-on-one. RJ Barrett ready to make the next step. Julius Randle as the superstar holds it all together. Mitchell Robinson is the athletic rim runner who defenses are just going to get sucked in on like again or sucked in by rather again and again and again uh, running to the rim. And it just seemed like, at least to me, like this perfect formula for again, like a top five to 10 offense this year. And and I, I was leaning more towards top, top five in terms of my optimism. And it's just, I mean, it's, it's sort of what I was talking about last segment. It feels like this multi-system failure where everyone is just not quite as sharp as you hope they would be. Like Kemba is coming, was coming off two really good offensive games before this, but by and large has been very inconsistent this year and just has not, I mean, he's just, he's just not the same athlete anymore. Like I, I, I'm not, coming out here and saying that he's washed. I think he, he could still be a really, really effective scorer in the NBA, but he, he just rarely gets to the basket. Like, and he's had stretches over the last couple of games, but it has not been very consistent throughout the year. And it's not something that he seems capable of on a night-to-night basis. I hope that changes, but that's the case right now. Uh, Evan Fournier, who maybe, Philip, after I finish answering this, we could pivot to, to your thoughts on him a little bit. Like, he just looks very much lost right now. And this is, a, he had like an insane, like, fall away banker in this game. But outside of that, yeah, that was crazy. it essentially <laughs> nothing. The two-man game, there have been flashes all year and all preseason of, of him with him and Julius Randle, but it feels like he is someone who just very much does not know his place offensively and is very lost because of it. And then Randle, I don't I don't particularly know what to say about him. I mean, it's just it's it, it's starting to feel a little bit like and I don't want to say this because it's still such a small sample size, but it's starting to feel a little bit like last year was like a bit of an aberration where he just shot insanely like seemingly unsustainably well from the mid-range seemingly like unsustainably well from three and yet no one like no one really expected him to fall everyone was like yeah so he, he put in the work he made the leap and i still think this is like a pet theory of mine but he had a new kid i still think that could be a little little bit of a part of the early struggles and maybe as he settles in with that uh things will get a little bit better and a little bit easier for him uh, or it could just be like the awkwardness of getting trying to fit into a new offense. But this feels like a team with five guys that have generally, like outside of some occasional shoddy effort from Randall, the best of intentions. But because of that lack of coherency, I think they fall back on the three-point shooting because they're just 
and I don't know if this is on Tibbs or if this is just on the guys or if it's just if it's just a matter of time. But right now, there's no like there's no flow of action. And like when there is, like I literally I will write it down in my notes every single time. Like it feels like oh, it was RJ driving a kick to Fournier who ducked in and lobbed it to Mitch. Like it feels like that should happen every possession just because the collective IQ of these guys and skill level is so so high but it's few and far between. And I, I think pinning down exactly why that is, is very difficult right now, but I, I can, I can best sum it up by saying things are awkward and, and the easiest thing to do when things are awkward is just to launch a lot of threes. Yeah, no. And and I think magic fans know that firsthand because that's been the magic's problem all year. And, and obviously they don't have the offensive weapons that New York has. Like this is a team that's still very deficient on offensive guys and guys you can consist. Um, but Orlando's have gotten that point, gotten to that point a lot of times where they'll be stuck, where, you know, the ball is, they're trying to move the ball side to side. Fences are switching. Really. Again, I think you got to give the Magic some credit defensively. I thought their switching was really sharp tonight. Like, they were really clean with their switches. Yeah. Um, they were blo- they were blowing up a lot of actions, like, right at the point of attack. Um, their drop coverage on pick and rolls wasn't great, and, and I think New York really attacked that in the fourth quarter. Um, the Magic mixed in zone at the right times, I felt like, to really throw, throw the Knicks off, like, right when they were getting comfortable offensively. They throw that zone in there. Again, they were really sharp with their communication for the most part in that. Um, and so I think they really kept New York off balance. And for a team that's struggling offensively, that's that's how you do it. Um, you know, Orlando has been beat a lot this year by teams that just switch everything. Um, you know, Cole Anthony is good off the dribble, but not great off the dribble. And, and you can you can blow up a lot of actions just by switching and forcing him to retreat and reset. Um, and that happened a few times in this game where I was really concerned, you know, for a little while in that fourth quarter because – they weren't getting in the paint. They were getting they weren't getting the ball movement that they need. And you know, it felt like New York was just you know, especially Julius Randle in those ISOs. You know, it, whether he was uncomfortable going up, up or trying to post out like Mo Bamba or a guy like Wendell Carter, or you know, you know, Chumo Kiki's a good. De- I think he's a good defender, but um, like he he just wasn't willing to attack Chumo Kiki in the post or off the dribble or Franz Wagner off uh, in the post or off the dribble. He was just kind of favoring that step that step back three. And and you know honestly, James Harden's the only one that's made that shot efficient. That is not an efficient shot. That is a last resort shot. Um, that just felt like that's just where he was settling when whenever he got the ball on the wing. Yeah, I mean, I I definitely noticed the same thing and. It was, it's frustrating because he's made more of an effort to, or at least in the early games of the season, it seemed like he was making much more of an effort to get all the way to the rim this season. And last year, like it sort of made sense that he didn't because the Knicks just had horribly cramped spacing in addition to the fact that he had such a heavy workload on both ends of the floor. It felt like he was exhausted. And this year, we were like, all right, that's not going to be an issue. Open floor, like he's going to be like ramming to the rim and just blowing people up like he did early in his career. And that's been really inconsistent this year and it's sort of again inexplicable like why he doesn't have that energy and i thought tibbs like the last game um which was a, a big Knicks win over the pacers um did a really smart thing and started using randall in the pick and roll with both fournier and kemba and he, he had two different plays where he slipped caught passes and like got all the way there for a layup tonight again it just seems like again there's no coherent identity it's like all right that worked for you like keep trying to run that and and i will say like on the orlando side of things we could maybe wrap up the second segment on this i was so impressed with both jalen suggs and franz wagner defensively like it feels like you guys have two cornerstones on that end of the floor i mean and wagner i mean suggs maybe too offensively but wagner especially offensively as well but defensively it's just so much athleticism and strength and that was my big takeaway like watching like Evan Fournier like there were a couple of plays where he tried to drive and he was just getting I, I forgot who was on him on those particular plays maybe Gary Harris was involved too but it just felt like he was getting stood up like over and over and over again and 
I, I that would if I were a Magic fan, I know Jonathan Isaac's coming back. RJ Hampton, like I don't know how he's in general, but tonight I thought he looked good on that end. I'd be so excited about the future of that perimeter defense. Like you mix in the right rim protector, like I think you're looking at like a perennial top ten defense in the NBA. And obviously, like the, there's still a question of like who's like the alpha on offense, and that that has been the big question for Orlando for forever. But you find that guy, and like all of a sudden, like everything sort of fits. Easier said than done, but I, I kind of yeah, I, yeah, I like that yeah. about the Magic. Yeah, and I mean, and, and and from the Magic perspective, like that's that's kind of the goal of this season is just to like show little hints and and, and show the direction that this team's going to go. And you know, I think you know Jamal Mosley's a defensive coach. Um, that's where he was in Dallas. Um, you know, they've they've accumulated these really strong defenders. Um, and, and yes, you know, Jalen Suggs and Franz Wagner do not defend like they are rookies. Um, that's that's and that's scary. Um, because you know you know they're going to get better. Like Franz made mistakes tonight. Like he 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 bit on that pump fake from Julius Randle, sprained and rolled his ankle. And, and it looked really nasty at the time. You know, he got beat a few times off the dribble. He made, and he made some driving mistakes too, trying to challenge Mitchell Robinson. But those guys are really fearless. Um, they're, they're willing to be physical. They're willing to defend. And you know, especially with young players, teaching young players that to just be gritty and defend is really, really tough. And it's really, really rare to find guys that are that good that quickly. Like I mean, Jalen Suggs. Jalen Suggs' defense is the is the reason he's still playing in the starting lineup essentially because because his offense has been that bad most of the season. He was good tonight, but the, he's his offense has been generally that bad this season. Yeah, um, yeah. I mean, I was I, I again small sample size for me, but I was I was so impressed. Um, once again, Gavin and I would like to thank you all for making Locked On Locked On Magic or Locked On Knicks and Locked On Knicks either either way um, part of your daily uh, part of your daily routine. Whether we're your first listen of the day, your lunchtime listen, your gym listen, your on your way home listen, whenever you listen to us, we truly appreciate being part of your day every single day. Remember the Locked On Podcast Network; it's your team every day. Phillip, so I got to ask real quick: Yes, would you go describe for it. yourself as a as a fornophile, given what you previously oh. said. Oh, I am. I I have been defending Evan Fournier for like five, six years. So I I am. Okay. I'm all about that, that needs that needs it right now. So. I I am all about Champagne Poppy. I don't know if that's that 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 was not a nickname we gave him or he ever had. But um, the more champagne was a thing that came from Denver. We did it for a little while. Um, I, I love is it, Evan. Is it his nickname? Evan's don't don't Google. Do not Google him. Never no. Google him. Only 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 tell your enemies to Google Fournier. Sure. Um. No. No. Evans like Evans. Evans just. Evan's a good dude. Um, but yeah, he's, he's kind of been put in some bad, the magic did not help, did, you know, helped him with his development, obviously, but did not put him in a situation where he was, you know, meant to succeed, unfortunately. But that you can say that about a lot of guys that, that have come through Orlando the last decade. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I was, I was curious what your take was on his performance tonight because, and maybe you, you kind of just dropped a hint at it. Like it might be the fact that he just really has not had to fit into a context where he wasn't essentially the, at least the perimeter alpha dog for a team. And that might, that might, that, that is a really substantial adjustment for some guys. And I think everyone just, everyone at least involved on the Knicks side had like a very positive interpretation of what that would look like. And like, for me, like, I remember you, you came on our show in the preseason. I was kind of saying like, I see this being like a hyper efficient, like 15 to 17 point score a game for assists for rebounds every night, like good enough defense, like with occasional explosions, like we saw in the first game where he had 32 points against the Boston Celtics. And basically I was like, look, this is a guy like 
there was a reason he shot 46% from three on, on the Celtics last year. Like he's an elite, elite shooter whose, whose statistical shooting was capped a little bit by being in such a tough situation in Orlando. You put him on the Knicks where he's like the fourth option. And presumably he was going to be getting pretty wide open threes all the time. That has been a little hit or miss in terms of like what the types of shots he's gotten. Um, and I thought he would be this, like, again, like just mega efficient scorer. And like, he, he just has not been that. And it just seems like he's really struggling to find his place right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I mean, obviously this game was kind of thrown a little topsy turvy, um, you know, because yeah. the bench played so well, and and that's definitely something we should we should talk about as we as we wrap this thing up. But the bench played so well, you know, I think Thibodeau was right to kind of roll with them as first uh, as long as he did. maybe he went a beat too long with it, but you know, I, I mean, I, I haven't followed the Knicks closely. I do know that they had the issue with the starters that that one game where he pulled them all kind of suddenly. Um, it, it felt like. It, you know, he felt he obviously couldn't ride the bench as lo- bench all the way to the end. They they ran out of gas. Um, you know, we, we've gone this long. Nick scored what six points in the final five forty five of the game or something like that. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it, it it's it's tough. And and the Magic know this firsthand. They struggle with with balance too because their starting lineup so good. Um, it, it just it felt like just Evan Fournier was invisible, like he was forgotten. And, and I think a lot of that has to do with the ball movement that the Knicks had. They they weren't moving the ball particularly well. Um, and if you're the third or fourth option on in the offense. The ball has to swing to you, um, and so if the ball's not moving, you're going to get ignored. There's a reason you're the fourth guy um, because you know you're waiting for someone to set you up or you're waiting for a play to set you up. So it just didn't feel like the Knicks, at least tonight, you know, put the ball in put the ball in Fournier's hands. Um, you know, he he got the ball late in the shot clock that one time when he made the crazy shot. Um, the ball wasn't kind of swinging to him, and and you know I think I mentioned in that preseason that I felt I felt like you know this was a really good role for Fournier because he's really good at attacking closeouts where he struggles sometimes. Um, especially with the role the Magic had him in, is he'll catch the ball, way to beat, set up the pick and roll, and kind of reset the offense and allow the defense to reset. Um, it, you know, I don't know if that's been happening uh, happening this year with the Knicks, but it, it just it never really seemed like he got the opportunity to do so because because the Magic or the Knicks did, did just a really good job preventing the ball from moving side to side uh, and working its way around the horn. Um, you know, I do think that you know I, I think you have to give. Um, some thought that, yeah, Kemba Walker is going to need some time to adjust to a new team too and learn a new offense. And it, it still felt like the Knicks were figuring out exactly how to run their sets to get the shots that they wanted. And again, got to give credit to the Magic. They blew up a lot of actions with their switching. Their switching was the best that it's been all year long. They were really good. They were ver- they, they're able to be versatile with that, line, with that lineup for whatever reason uh, and just gave New York all kinds of problems with getting into their offense and getting into the paint. Yeah, I think Evan Fournier needs needs a runway, to your point. Like, he he needs some kind of momentum generated for him, whether that's through an action or, like, when we've seen him have the most success this year is because him and Randall run a little two-man game. Like, we even saw him hit a three off that where Randall threw him a little behind the back pass, came over, set a screen from him, and Fournier, like, nailed the three without his feet set. Like, he is an incredibly skilled scorer who is not, by NBA standards, a fantastic athlete. And because of that, you, you got to give him, like, room and pace in, in, like, in the context that he operates in. And the Knicks... I think have, have struggled to do that. And it feels like, again, like this gets into those cascading issues of offense. Like it feels like that's just a relatively low priority for them. And I don't, I don't necessarily think it should be because I think there's, there's a world where he's like their first or second best scorer, or like most efficient scorer. And I wonder 
if they would be better off retrofitting some of their offense around him versus Kemba Walker, who on a lot of nights just seems unwilling to be that guy right now. I'm a big advocate of Emmanuel quickly eventually entering the starting lineup. And I think we saw why tonight again, like, and, and look, like that's not, that's not a simple thing to do. And a lot of people like have made that point and like, including me, like that's like the easy fix for the Knicks, but you do that. There, there's a cascading effect, right? This bench that's been like literally like, I think the best or second best lineup in the entire NBA all of a sudden takes a big hit. But I, I just wanted to shout out Emmanuel quickly because he again was just ridiculous in this game. And like the passing has gotten to the point where it's so, so good now, seven assists in just 24 minutes. And I, I described him as, and this is a little sacrilegious, but like when he's playing well, like there, there's a baby Steph quality to him now where, where defenders get pulled out like three, four, five feet behind the arc. And he's just become almost unguardable because he's, excuse the pun, like we always say, he's so quick. He's quick. His, I was going to say. His handle, <laughs> his handle is so like he was like beating like Suggs like off the dribble tonight. Um, he he blew by Wagner once. Like, again, these are really good, like, in the case of Suggs, like, hyper-athletic defender. In the case of Wagner, super smart and, like, seven inches taller than him. And granted, Wagner, as we noted at the beginning, certainly got his revenge. But he, he, his ability to just win on the perimeter, the fantastic chemistry he had with Obi Toppin, like, where Obi set that weird stagger screen for him that he sped around and then hit Obi on, like, this, like, double pump hook pass, like, around Franz, who was, like, had the extendo arms trying to block it. And then Obi uh, was like kind of bodying Cole Anthony, maybe, maybe an offensive foul and got like the left little lefty layup. And then like, I, I just love like the, like, I think what you look for in young point guards is can you build off of previous reads? And, and he had that play to Obi. He had like another nice pick and roll with Obi. And then later in the game runs it again, the magic defense adjusts, they double team the ball and he just, he just rips it over to Derek Rose for an open three. And it was it was just that kind of night for Emmanuel quickly where you, where you see the like as much for the Knicks as all the pieces aren't coming together for Emmanuel quickly as an individual. All the pieces are coming together and the three point shooting creates leverage for the passing. The passing creates leverage to then pass in another direction on another play. And, and he's just building throughout each and every game. And it, it's very rewarding to see when not a lot well is going for New York, a, a guy that we were extremely optimistic about going back. A year and got off to a very poor start this year it is really playing fantastic basketball right now and and he, obviously him and Obi were sort of the reason that the Knicks had a chance down the stretch of this game yeah and and I, and I think I think sort of on top of that too like he was he was willing to attack like like yeah. I mean I when he, when he had the ball at the top of the key you knew he was coming downhill at you and you didn't know if he was going to stop and pop that three you didn't know you didn't know if he was going to kind of kind of get get in the lane you knew he was attacking and, and again like it just it, it, throughout the night, it just didn't feel like the Knicks were on the attack. It felt like they were they were waiting and probing and just couldn't figure out how to break that magic defense. Quickly, just said no, no, I'm getting into this lane. I'm going to force defense to do things. Um, I thought the Knicks. I mean, the Knicks set up a lot of Brooks's threes. I felt like off quickly pick and rolls where the Magic, you know, the Magic have this habit, and I think it's part of their defensive scheme to collapse the paint a little bit and really pressure the ball when it gets in the paint. He was just kicking out to that open shooter, and the Magic were just a little too far off the shooter, and Brooks made him pay. And 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 again, it's just, it's simple reads like that. It's it's the simple plays, and you know that Knicks bench it was really good. I mean, Magic's bench is really bad. The Knicks bench was really really good, and and again, nearly pulled them back into this game, and nearly get, and gave them the chance to win. Um, it just came down to to execution in the last six minutes, and and again, that's that's where you want games decided. Um, I think, um, and and the Magic made the play made the winning plays they they had to to win the game. Yeah. I mean, again, you give Orlando all the credit in the world. And I guess felt that's where I wanted to wrap up my mind asking you, like, what, what were sort of your like big picture takeaways on the magic? Because as, as I mentioned the first time we did a pod, I've been 
uh, maybe a fan is a strong word, but I've been fascinated from afar for a long time. Like, like what is the long-term plan in Orlando? Like, how are they going about it? And it's, it's rewarding, honestly, to see, like, because I think we're, we're sort of brethren in that, like, following two franchises that have for so long not had a plan and like the Knicks seemingly are, are turning a corner. Obviously there, there are moments of pessimism in here. I'm still very optimistic about the long-term future because of young guys like Obi and, and Randall or sorry, Obi and IQ and RJ. Um, but for Orlando, like this feels like, I, again, just one night, but like I, I would, I would be encouraged if I, if I was a man. Yeah. This, I mean, this, this was the most complete win of the season for Orlando. Um, you know, the, the point that I'm going to make when, when I start, when I start writing tonight, um, you know, the, the first half, like we barely talked about the first half. Um, the first half to me was really the big sign that, oh, this, this game's a little bit different because the magic right now, like the magic have, it's probably like a four or five minute stretch every game where they just cannot score and nothing works. And being a young team, when you can't score, when you're not seeing the ball go in the basket, your defense slips. And it's usually in that point where the magic go down 12, 15 points, you know, they, they kind of let go, they let go of the rope for a little bit. It starts, you know, spinning wildly out of their hands. Um, they get some rope burn. And, and by the time they catch it again, they're, they're you know, they're fight, they're fighting it. They're, they're fighting to climb back into the game. Um, it really felt like that that was going to happen in the first half and, and their defense, like made some mistakes, you know, gave a little, gave up a little bit of a lead, but held firm and, and they, they kept the deficit manageable. It was really the first time, you know, really all year that they've been able to do that. Um, you know, certainly sometimes that becomes a 25 point lead, like it did in New York, like it did in the first game against the Knicks. Um, but, but the magic really kind of withstood that little run at the, in the first half kept with their defense. And, and from that point on, they were really in it. Um, you know, I, I know I mentioned this, uh, you know, by the NBA's measure of clutch, you know, within five points in the final five minutes, the magic had played the fewest clutch minutes in the league entering the season. So it was really fascinating to watch them play a close game this season. Um, I think entering tonight, they'd actually only led entering the fourth quarter twice all year. Um, they have not had a lot of experience in close games like this. And, you know, a, a big thing for me is we want to see what this team looks like. We want to see this team beat legitimate teams. Um, Knicks are a legitimate team. They're a playoff team. Um, so to see them do that um, is really, really encouraging. Um, obviously, like we said, every NBA team will do it once. You got to be able to do it every night. And, you know, Brooklyn's up next for Orlando. So we'll, we'll see, we'll see how much carries over into the next game. Yeah, I will, I will wrap things up on the Knicks end by chatting on Obi Toppin, who had a career high or tied a career high rather with 14 points in this game, which is, is sad and a reflection of, again, just the reality of, of Julius Randle being ahead of him, that that is his career high. Because if he got real minutes, I think he would probably be averaging around 14 points per game, um, but two big threes. And that that has been like the single biggest frustration with Obi this year, a guy who just was horrific shooting the basketball for most of last season, seemingly came on at the end of the year, looked much, much smoother in summer league. And then um, I think probably just a product of getting less touches, but that shot seemingly abandoned him at points this year, hit the one in the corner, then hit the big three on the wing that I think extended the Knicks lead in, in the midst of that big run, um, the rim running and just the, the sheer chemistry between him and Emmanuel quickly, like those two guys, they're boys. And it, it really, really translates on the court. It's, it's so much fun. It's, it's like getting like, like you have like the older guys and then like the, the college kids come in and just have a blast, like every single game now. And it, it's so cool to see them like jiving with Derek Rose and Taj Gibson who have been running like the same, like old man version of that pick and roll for like 25 years at this point. Um, so it's, it's really cool. So shout out to Obi. Always happy to see him doing well. And yeah, that's all, that's all I got from a Knicks perspective. Yeah. Yeah. Obi was, Obi was fantastic. I, I, I've, I have some Knicks, Follow, I, I follow some Knicks people online and they're just like, this is why Obi should play. I'm just like, yeah, if Obi plays like, if Obi can do these things and you set him up to do these things, like no reason why he shouldn't be playing. Um, yeah. Everyone, everyone has those guys um, on, on their rosters. Um, 
for my listeners, Gavin, uh, where, where can everyone find you? Oh, thank you so much. Uh, well, my Twitter got hacked recently, so I can't share my Twitter <laughs> anymore. But you can follow along uh, at Locked on Knicks if you if you ever want some Knicks updates. Um, yeah, we're we're available on all platforms now, including YouTube. And you know that if you're watching both of us right now, but that is true for Philip as well. So I will encourage you guys, if you are not already, to please subscribe to Locked on Magic as well on YouTube. It really makes a big difference and helps us continuing to do these podcasts five days a week. Yep, absolutely. And of course, uh, for everyone who doesn't already follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at philiprr underscore omd. You can subscribe to Locked On Magic as well as Locked On Knicks wherever you download podcasts, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Himbley, Google Play, Spotify, Odyssey, all of them place to download podcasts, your podcast enable listening device. And as Gavin said, you can also find us both on YouTube to search for Locked On Magic or Locked On Knicks. If you're not subscribed to both, subscribe to both. Like Gavin said, it helps us out. But you're done listening to Locked On Magic and Locked Be sure to check out the Locked On Bets podcast. Again, my copy is not loading. Um, the Locked On Bets podcast gives you all the information you need for the day ahead for all your gambling needs. Hosted by your boy Q with expert analysis and insight from Lee Sterling. Check out the Locked On Bets podcast today. That's going to do it for us today. We want to thank you all again for watching Locked Up, for watching and listening to Locked On Knicks as well as Locked On Magic. Again, the Orlando Magic defeat the New York Knicks 104 to 96. Until next time, we'll see you all again for another episode of Lockdown.